Hello, everyone. Welcome to the ABCs of Matrescence. In case it's your first time tuning in with us, we are Mackenzie and Emma. We're two mamas, and we each have a one-year-old son. And we are here bringing you our podcast to chat all things motherhood and the process of Matrescence, which is becoming a mother. And we are stoked to have you here today. So welcome. Hi, guys. This is Emma. Welcome to episode five. I, I do actually wonder, can people tell us apart? I mean, I know our voices are different, but... In that's ca- true. In case you're wondering, <laughs> in case <laughs> I know, you I was... don't know who is who, we don't really ever introduce that. So. That's true. And I did. I did start it by saying, "Hello, we are Mackenzie and Emma." So I know. How are we, people we know? are one in the same person. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but welcome to episode five, guys. Thank you so much for joining us again. Um, I hope you listened to last week's interview. We uh, chatted with Dr. Nicola Rinaldi, which was such an honor to um, have her on the podcast and take advantage of all her awesome knowledge. Um, we also really appreciate you guys sitting through a little bit of some technology woes. If you heard in the highs and lows section, um, well, first, this didn't work when we tried to connect with her, what we normally chat in, and then my power went out because life is just weird like that. So anyway, <laughs> we really appreciate you guys sticking through um, some of the little technology kinks there. But uh, thank you for joining us again this week. And we are going to kind of expand on last week's conversation as Dr. Rinaldi um, spoke on HA and kind of gave you the basic information. And we're going to get into some of our personal journeys today. But first, we're going to get into some highs and lows for this week. Highs and lows. Lots of those lately. (laughs) My goodness. So I would say... Most likely, we'll start with the low. The low of the week is that little Emerson was under the weather. So it was definitely a little, just kind of a little gastro thing. I could just kind of tell his appetite went down and then we started having some kind of crazy diapers. And then we even had- How many pairs of pajamas have you thrown away this week? Thanks one to pair. Explosive just one, diapers. Okay, just, only one? Although there was a second one that would have been thrown away had my husband not been there to basically morally support me through that. Oh, well, so that's good. You're better than me. I tend to throw <laughs> things away. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, I mean, it, the, the one that I did throw away, it was like, boy, bye. Like, there was no way. Like, I was not keeping that. Um, but uh, poor little guy felt kind of a little gastro thing. And then we did have an episode where he absolutely had some pretty major throw up. And that was not cool at all. And mommy had to take a shower. You. But yeah, I know. It's like all the bodily fluids sometimes from this little guy. But he's on the mend. He's feeling better. And that is fantastic. I would absolutely love for the teething to give me a week break. However, that is coming in hot. So we are still teething. But hey, I feel like that just continues though for a really long time. Like, I mean, I don't think they get in molars. I don't even know what two I think is what I've heard. Maybe <gasps> can you even imagine? I mean, I, yeah, I, okay. I'm sure it's really painful. Like sometimes I look at my teeth when I'm brushing them. And I'm like, wow, if these were popping through my skin right now, I would probably be a little tense. <laughs> that is a weird thing just to sit and think about as you're brushing your teeth. By the well, way. I mean, I feel like if there's no better time. <laughs> Well, I mean, fair. That's fair, but still a little strange. <laughs> That's true. It's a strange. But I'm just trying to empathize with the little man, you know? Well, that is sweet. It's nice of you to put yourself in his position so you can understand <laughs> when he's fussing and yelling at you all day, maybe what is going on in his emotional state of being. That's true. That's Yeah, there has been a lot of fussing. But hey, so the lowest he is, was rather, I should say, feeling super under the weather. He's feeling better now. That could be part of the high. The other high is the fact that Topo Chico, if you haven't had that sparkling water, it is amazing. And it is available at Amazon Prime Whole Foods delivery. And I literally, and it's been on sale. So I've been literally getting cases of this just delivered to my house. What flavor? For like $8. Oh, just plain sparkling mineral water. It's from Mexico. Hmm. Yeah, it's from like $18.95 or something. What I would love right now, 
Wait, don't they anything? say don't drink the water in Mexico? Just it's carbonated. Water. So I... <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Let's see uh, how ignorant my response is there. <laughs> the oh, I remember going to Rocky Point one time and us bringing bottled water. But I, oh, hey, I feel like this is bottled. It is bottled. Well, I have to pop the top off. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously it is bottled then. It, and it's, let me just tell you a little more about it. It is so good. It is so fizzy. If there are any Topo Chico fans out there, like, do you mind just hitting Can us up? Can we get sponsored? Because, get oh, that, like, okay. That's stuff. where I'm going with this. Hashtag like, sponsored. I wish right now I was being sponsored because I would be getting barrels full. But instead, I'm just What is your other kidding. favorite? Do you do flavored sparkling water? Or I do. Or just plain? Yeah, okay. I do. And I would say right now, grapefruit or orange. It's like a tie, okay. neck and neck. And I used, I, you know, I used to always get... The the brand everyone calls it Lacroix. It's actually Lacroix, might I add? Yeah, yeah, you and your French. I know. I totally <laughs> call it Lacroix. Too. I was about to say it, and then I was like, "Uh, she's gonna correct me." <laughs> well, it's fine. Everyone pronounces it that way. But I've been getting lately the Whole Foods three sixty five brand, and it has I buy a theirs too. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like yep. Really- I buy that. Um, I really like the Bubbly brand. Have you had that? Oh, I've seen it. Haven't bought At it. At Target, they usually have it. Um, okay. And there's another one called Waterloo. There is a strawberry and a watermelon flavor that, like, I've summertime, super good. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey. So- Important I mean, maybe maybe one of these days we're going to be getting sponsored by a sparkling water brand. This oh, has I'm absolutely sure. nothing to do with babies, but I actually think that there's something really nice about there's a baby whining and crawling up your leg, but you get to enjoy an ice cold, refreshing sparkling my water. My only issue is Owen wants to steal my can all the time. Oh, and right, and he put their yeah. finger in it, and in every little, time, yes, yes in every the time, hole. and I freak out. Mm-hmm. He did that just earlier today. He went over to the recycling yep. area. He threw out a can of puffs that he had demolished. Of course, he'd already finished those, and then he stuffed his fat little chubby finger right in that <laughs> hole. And I'm like, no, I know. You have to like yep. remain calm because if you get too excited, then they get excited and they grip tighter. And oh yeah, I'm yep. like, this is going to be a trip to the ER. Hi, honey. Oh, I know the fun. <laughs> we're going to visit daddy. I mean, uh, that's one way to visit daddy at work. Actually, you know what my husband did? He brought home from the hospital a suture kit. He's like, this way, honey, we don't have to go to the ER if Emerson never oh. gets a cut. I was Goodness. like, that's actually a great idea. However, if it is a well, cut we could have used that. We, we could have used that last week. I'll, I'll make that my low and that my oh, uh, sweet little mm, angel child busted his lip open in Oh, it was so bad. Um, I mean, he is obviously okay, but I don't know if you've ever busted a lip or like around your eye. It bleeds a ton. It's oh, so, so true. That it, kind of those like little, yeah. I don't know, like little fine surface veins For or whatnot. Sure. And it just bled so much. So it made me freak out because he wants to try to like open everything with his teeth. And he just was uh. trying to open a lid and he bonked himself. Anyway, but it's just, you know, seeing your kid covered in blood and then screaming and crying. And I, of course, send you pictures because I'm like, wait, ask your husband, does he need stitches? Help well, it me. was a, it was a little bit puffy, and it's like it, it's, it it's was, confusing because yeah. if it was you or I, it's like it would be natural. We would just watch our wash our faces, yeah. and then we would keep an eye on it. And but like when it's for them, you're like, wait a second, like do I use soap? Do I use Neosporin? Like what about all those things? You know? Yep. So that was my my low of the. It wasn't that wasn't just my low of the week. He also let's see, um, he fell with my nanny, which totally not her fault. He was just being Owen and flipped out of the chair and had a big goose egg on his forehead. So that was the first one. Then he bust his lip. And just tonight he was playing with mommy's keys, which yes, I should not probably let him play with. And he scratched himself across the cheek. So my kid looks like I abuse him, which is really, really awesome. So anyway, but all of that, it is definitely a hard stage. He's just full on walking now and just into everything. And, you know, he's exploring his boundaries. And with that comes lots of falling and lots of bonking and lots of mommy me taking away stuff and having meltdowns over oh, it. Oh, the meltdowns. Part for the curse. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, it's part of the reason I let him keep playing with the keys. 
days is because oh, when I, I took you. him away, he just epically melted down and I was trying to unload groceries and anyway. So it was a thing, but oh well. He's still in one piece for tonight. So and he's, he's in, in his crib. Piece. So hey. Um, and I would say my high for the week is we hubby and I took a little date night on Saturday, which is Woo-hoo. really nice. We don't that is really nice. Do that. If I have to admit it, we have a thirteen and a half month old and I think this is our third date night, maybe. Hey, Which, you're doing it though. You're prioritizing it. Are, you're making it happen. And we're doing it you know? more now. Like I went ahead and even booked our next one. So like, oh, really? you know, we're, we don't have family near us. And so we don't have grandmother and you know, grandpa to go like drop the baby off with. So we have a nanny and we already use her a couple days during the week. And you know, anyway, I, all the excuses in the world, but um, we don't go a ton, but I am trying to do it at least every six weeks, which I wish it was monthly, but that's the way it is. So, but hey, it's progress, right? But we went, we had a really fun time. We went and had uh, some sushi and then walked across the street to this cute little coffee dessert place and had some dessert and some wine and all the good stuff. Just nice to really uh, have some one-on-one time and connect a bit more. So it reinforces the fact that we need to do it more often. So Awesome. That's great. I, I just exactly the conversation my husband and I were having a couple of days ago about how we need to just keep prioritizing us time because otherwise, you know, he comes home from work and it's always like he he says he he steps right in, which is true. He does. He steps right in with with Emerson or with helping me with dinner. I mean, he's super hands on, which I love. But then, you know, we're he, we're hands on together. We're doing doing life, and then Emerson goes to bed or you know he goes off to work or whatnot. And it's like there's really really limited chill time. Like last night we walked watched a show, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season three. Oh, I love that show. I know we're just on the first that. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. It's it was just fun and light. And, but I realized yeah. last night we were like, how long has it been since we did this? And we it's yeah. literally been like maybe gosh like I want to say like Christmas time which it's March so maybe it was in January but still like we just don't sit down and, and just take a moment to chill like that and it's well, really really helpful. Well such a different schedule that I mean that is extra hard for y'all we at least have some consistency in our schedule so we do have at least an hour together most nights after bed that we do watch a show or something and granted sometimes we're both on our computers or obviously tonight we're doing this but y'all have a different situation and that really is hard. Yeah, but it is. It's one of those things, though, when you make it happen. Like, it's just like you guys. Like, yeah, you don't have family close, and it's kind of hard to to book a, a weekend, you know, nanny, and especially one that's part time, etc. But it's like you have to kind of find the find the ways to make it work, you know? Yeah, so. I find the nanny thing hard because ugh, it's funny. People are very stingy with their sitters around here. So if you ask a friend, I'm like, hey, do you have a sitter you'd recommend? They're like, um, uh, no, you know, not really because everybody wants their Saturday night sitter. It's really funny. And we love our <laughs> nanny who watches Owen twice a week during the week, but she is a little bit older and I don't know why. I just, I feel bad like asking her for more. I know she really just wants to do it part time. And so, you know, we just try not to like, over ask I guess for the situation and everybody else I know that has a referral is like yeah I have this 16 year old and no I'm just yeah. not prepared to let a 16 year old watch my one year old so no. same yep I think that that's definitely something that there is going to be a time and place for it like I love the idea one day of they, they call them here um, up in Rhode Island maybe they call them everywhere I've just heard them called this here for the first time in my life mother's helpers uh, I've heard of that but yeah we don't hear the term a lot down here yeah, so basically, it's it's a, it's a young girl, generally um, some someone like I think like kind of summer break high school student that just wants to pop over and and I, presumably I'm there as well. They're just there to play and hang out, and you know that they wouldn't necessarily even do any driving. It would be just you know they come over and hang in. If you if you have a pool, we don't, but if you do, that would be an example. Your kid's old mm-hmm. enough and can swim, and so the mother's helper will swim with the kid, and you know just is just almost like having a big sister or brother yeah, around. Yeah. Um. And so. 
people talk about that as an option. And I'm like, that sounds great when he's like seven. <laughs> exactly. When they're a little bit older. But I mean, right now I can barely, I mean, he fell and busted his lip when I was standing next to him. So mm-hmm. I'm not prepared to let a 16 year old who probably won't get off their phone um, in charge of my <sighs> that child. That is so. really, really true. Sorry. I Hard know. pass on that. Maybe one day. Yeah. But yeah. anywho. Well, so uh, this week we're going to be discussing a little bit more about hypothalamic amenorrhea and how it relates to both of us. So again, just like Emma mentioned, if you tuned in last week, you heard Dr. Rinaldi's fantastic interview, and we're really grateful for her time. And what she was able to share with us a little bit was basically the experience of what it means to have hypothalamic amenorrhea as it relates to pregnancy and as it relates to getting pregnant, or should say getting to the pregnancy, and then attempting to recover your period after breastfeeding or not. And she also talked a little bit about the differences between PCOS and HA, so hypothalamic amenorrhea. And then I'm we also- I'm so impressed you can say that that many times without screwing it up. <laughs> it's like Sally sells seashells. That's even harder like, for me. This is why I'm letting you say this part because I'm just going to call it HA the entire episode. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say it enough for both of us. No, it is, it is quite, it's quite a mouthful. But yeah. um, we also proposed some hypothetical situations to Dr. Rinaldi just to kind of get her, her feedback or her response to just a few things, including, for example, a non-hormonal birth control method. So really an episode that's awesome to, to check out. But we wanted to today share a bit about our stories. And if you're thinking right now, well, hey, you know, I, I've never had a missing period or, you know, that, that really isn't my story. That doesn't pertain to me at all. The reason that we feel that it's important to share it is because A, there perhaps are people that would be directly, you know, impacted by hearing about the story of how another woman got her period back or managed to conceive. But I would say almost more importantly is that this is definitely an issue that affects women. It's not a massive amount of the population, but it's a significant amount. And by listening and by having a little bit more awareness about that, perhaps you could help a friend, perhaps you could give somebody guidance. And also it gives you an opportunity, I think, to kind of check in. Maybe you do have a period, but hey, you know, this is actually, they they make some great points about chilling out on the exercise front or making sure I'm nourishing enough or some things to keep in mind if I'm breastfeeding. So that's kind of our objective today is to share our stories with the tune of, I should say, allowing allowing other people to reflect on maybe there's somebody in your circle who who could use just a little bit of guidance or some advice in this in this. Well, and area, I think as so. much as anything, it's also just um, a big topic in society today about body image and so true. Um, you know the health at every size movement and in all of that because it is pretty prevalent. Diet culture is front and center. It's big business. Um, mm-hmm. I frankly work in that business, and it's mm-hmm. it's you know a big focus, and so many women are in this chronic dieting state. And this is a huge side effect of it. So if it hasn't, you know, affected you so far, you know, it can still just get into some of the negative side effects of chronic dieting, uh, over-exercising, under-eating, just that, you know, mentality. So can really um, touch a lot of different people. Yeah, very, very well. Well said, because certainly in, in whatever, you know, industry, but very specifically, I would say the fitness and nutrition industry, you know, you you hear a lot of, I would say, misuse of I think the ability to help people feel better and feel healthier without having that necessarily have a direct correlation with weight loss or with size shrinkage, you know, it can also just be finding your health. Yep. So, yep. And we wanted to just jump in a little bit today and share our own experiences. And we're hoping that, you know, as you're, as you're listening to our stories today, you'll see why for both of us, the journey to try to get our periods back and then to go through that process with conception. And then now in the postpartum state, this, this work, this, 
I would say both of us, the constant objective striving towards finding that healthiness, finding that balance within our bodies is still really, really prevalent. It's not like, oh, you just need to get your period back so you can get pregnant and then, oh, you're all good. Well, no, pregnancy is also a whole journey of attempting to be healthy and be mindful. And then postpartum is yet a whole nother separate experience. So we're hoping today to be able to shed just a little bit of light on that. So Absolutely. And so Mackenzie and I actually met, we got connected through having HA, um, Dr. Rinaldi has some great online support groups and um, we kind of followed each other's journeys. We had two little ones very close. So it's how we met, quote unquote, since we actually, fun fact, have not even met in person. Feels like it, but we nope. have not yet. One it's day, on our bucket list though, don't worry. One day. If, hopefully you know, summer, if we can summer. ever fly again. Yes. Month, <laughs> hoping, yeah. hoping, su- hoping summer 2020 is going to provide some, some meetups. Fingers crossed. Um, But anyway, so we met through an HA online group, which was so valuable having so many different women to connect with and also hearing um, all of their stories. So um, Mackenzie, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you first heard about HA? I first heard about it when I was at what would actually be the end of, I would say, my experience in uh, fertility scenario. So reproductive endocrinologist. So I was, I was seeing a reproductive endocrinologist that I was referred to by my OBGYN after I failed to get a period back for many months. And after that experience of being with this, with this doctor throughout the, it was the summer of 2017. It was all the way through then they tried, you know, various approaches to get me to ovulate uh, without success. And so finally, in December, after I'd failed my third attempt at uh, the oral medication to ovulate, I received a phone call from the nurse um, in mid-December 2017 saying that I was not going, uh, I did not ovulate, and that they would be booking my appointment to schedule IVF starting in January. And I kind of paused for a minute and I said, I said, well, what, what, what are they saying that I have? She goes, oh, well, hypothalamic amenorrhea. I was like, hypo what? And I actually had her spell it for me. Well, yeah, and, it's yeah a, it's because it's a, it's a <laughs> and so I wrote it down, and that was how I found out about. It. Oh. So it's fascinating. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. I found out also through our reproductive endocrinologist. I hadn't had a period in um, ten years or more, um, and fortunately for me, it was on at least the early end of our process. Um, I mean, I went in, I basically did blood work, and he immediately said, "You have hypothalamic amenorrhea," and I was like, "As you said, say what? Who?" What? <laughs> um, but fortunately, they were pretty um, quick to diagnose, and I had a lot of information given to me up front. So, um, so once you found out, and you know, you got to gather a little bit more information about it. Um, what What did you kind of look at? Was potentially the root cause of of how you developed this? I would say that it was just several years, several consecutive years of overexercising, underfueling, and I would say living with a pretty constant state of like mild to medium stress, if you will, or maybe medium stress, if I'm being honest. I mean, there was a move in there, a move across the country and obviously getting engaged, planning a wedding. There was just a lot of stress, I think, involved in that. So I would say it was a combination of those factors. And I was taking birth control up until the summer of 2016. So it's a little bit hard for me to identify exactly when my period went missing, but I suspect it was 
um, probably a couple years prior to that when I just kind of kicked up my exercising. I was really enjoying it and it resulted in some weight loss. And I was like, oh, hey, this is great. I, I, I'm happy to, to feel this way. And I just kept it up and it kind of just became like a gerbil wheel. I mean, once I was kind of in that, it was it was tough to break out of it. I, I enjoyed working out. I, in fact, I loved it. But I was at the time very unaware of the fact that I was basically holding my body on a tightrope. I did these workouts. I consumed this kind of amount of food and this sort of a way. If I ate too much one night, the next day I would be restrictive, et cetera. And, you know, I kind of balanced on that, on that tightrope as well as just managing the day-to-day stress of life and never really gave my body or my mind a break. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the cause of it. it. I don't necessarily think it was anything too much more intense than, than that. Although I suppose that is fairly intense for the body yeah. to take. Well, would you can also consider yourself a type A kind of person? Because I have found in, in most of the online groups and connecting with other women, myself included, that I'd say a lot of us tend to be a little controlling, control freak nature, high strung, you know, is definitely yep. a part of it. So I'm like I, shrinking the, into my shoulders, like raising my hand, like, can you oh, see yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> and yep. I think it's just that Very controlling much. tendency and a little bit of that high anxiety level that um, yes. definitely contributes to some of it. Absolutely. Um, you know, my, my backstory is, is fairly similar. I went through a period of um, trying to lose weight and definitely under eating and over exercising and um, the whole shebang. And, you know, I did lose weight. And then that, you know, everybody kept saying, Oh, well, you look great. And so that definitely fueled the fire a little oh, bit. That's tough. Yeah. That positive reinforcement of like, well, I'm getting complimented, you know, and so, you know, you eat a little less, you exercise a little bit more. I mean, I remember two a day seemed like a fairly normal situation to me. Same, I didn't, same. didn't think anything was weird about going to the gym to do weights in the morning and then doing my cardio in the afternoon, which, you know, so which seems like a common trend. Um, also, like you, though, I was on birth control for a really, really long time. I don't even know how many years Um I mean, I went on it when I was a teenager and also took back-to-back pills, so I don't even know when my period actually went missing. But when we got engaged, I decided to go off the pill, and my period never returned. And so um, about a year after we got married, we decided to go investigate. So, Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, you know, it just truly becomes part of your lifestyle. I think if any of our listeners have also dealt with this or are dealing with this where, you know, you exercise and maybe you really genuinely enjoy it, you do enjoy, you know, eating healthy food, you enjoy preparing your food, you enjoy being mindful of what you eat. I mean, those are all really, really positive lifestyle, I should say, like parts of a lifestyle. However, I think it's really easy sometimes to just tip over that little tipping point where all of a sudden your workouts and your food is actually starting to control you because you're so obsessed with it. You said it perfectly in that it should be part of your lifestyle, not become your life. And Mm -hmm. I definitely you know, went over that line of, I mean, I truthfully would even like turn down some dinner plans with friends because I was like, Ooh, I don't want to go eat out at the Mexican restaurant. I'll eat before or, Ooh, no, I can't meet up. I have to go get in this workout. And you know, it's stuff like that, that you realize it's starting to consume your life. You get really grumpy if you have to miss a workout or even on a vacation. And so I'd just, I say that as in those are red flags for people that might be listening that, maybe don't have HA, but maybe they are starting to cross that threshold of, you know, warning sign of maybe, maybe you need to simmer down a little bit on some of the eating and exercising. Exactly. And I think that was where, you know, for, for both of us, we had a really strong impetus to get our periods back, or at least to head down the road of recovering our cycles because we wanted to have a, you know, have a baby. So I think that for us, we had this really clear objective 
what I find myself admiring so much is in some of our groups when we, you know, I'm often reading through and it'll be, you know, a young woman posting who's 19 or 25 or even 30 and has nowhere on her radar kids just simply is like, I want to restore my health. I want my freedom back. I want to just be able to enjoy exercise and enjoy food and have, you know, lower the obsession, et cetera. And I always just feel like, wow, hats off. Like in a way, I, I sometimes do feel critical of myself that it took wanting a baby for me to really take a hard look at the lifestyle that I was living day in, day out. And now I'm so aware of it. But, you know, I really do admire those people that are like, you know what, I just want to improve my health plain and simple without any kind of ulterior motive. And I'm like, hats off. Oh, absolutely. I had zero. I mean, if I'm going to be honest, I was like, I don't have a period. It's fantastic. Like, there was not even a little part of me that missed having a period or really thought about the health ramifications. And I even after I got diagnosed with HA, um, and I, we wanted to have a kid, but I wasn't in such a rush at the beginning until I realized, wow, this might be really hard. And that obviously kind of upped the ante. But I actually even went and got a bone density scan and got diagnosed with osteopenia, which is a super common side effect of HA of, you know, years and years of that. And even that, the health factor was still at the time not an like that wasn't the impetus. It was just when I got to the point that I was like, I desperately want to have a baby that made me like want to make some changes. So it is a little... It's a little sad to me that my own health, you know, wasn't the top priority at the time. And so it's just something for people to really consider as we often look at the short term ramifications of some of that chronic dieting and overexercising and kind of using and abusing our bodies and assuming they'll always be there for us. But, you know, we can do some long term damage even when we don't realize it's that serious. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I remember distinctly buying some very expensive like face cream. It was like an acne treatment thing because I kept getting this cystic acne. And what was the cystic acne? It was all hormonal because yep. I was trying so hard to, you know, keep my, my hormones at bay. I, by, I guess I was, I wasn't intentionally trying to keep them at bay, but they were keeping themselves at bay because that's what hypothalamic amenorrhea is, is the suppression of, of your cycle. So the hypothalamus can't do its job. And I just remember thinking, oh, let me just put these creams on that. And then I remember I went down the acupuncture road thinking all I needed was a few needles to get my period back. I'm not oh, knocking. Yeah. I did that too. Oh, I'm gosh, not knocking it. I'm just, you know, you're like, I'll knock it. No, but I just feel like it's, it's, it, it's a wonderful, I, for a lot of people, it's, it's a, it's a very positive homeopathic approach to, to health, but I was going about it for the wrong reasons. I walked oh, in that room same. thinking, I just need you a want a magic fix. To, yeah. Yeah. You, you want to be able to throw some money at it. And I mean, that's what I did. Oh, me I too. Wanted, she gave me all the supplements. Somebody like, else to fix it. <laughs> yeah, you want somebody else to fix it when really it's something that yes. you actually have a lot of control in fixing. But that that took, I think, both of us, it sounds like, a really long time to get to. I hired a functional medicine practitioner, and I don't even want to tell you how much money I spent on supplements. Oh, oh girl. And, I, and blood tests and blah, blah, blah. Yes. To frankly, the truth being that they're like, hey, stop exercising, eat more food, and your period will come back. And, you know, I I wanted another reason that something else was broken as opposed Mm -hmm. to looking internally. But that's part of the journey, and that's kind of what we're chatting through. So what, you know, trying to recover, what did that look for you? You know, what did that look like for you? 
Well, so once I found out in that in that mid-December that that was the, the title of it, really just, I think, inspired me to kind of say, okay, you know, I've had these failed, you know, t- taking a few different oral medications, trying to get my period back, you know, we're seeing a fertility specialist, there's truly no sign on the horizon of my period whatsoever. I'm not even ovulating with the help of these medications that are designed to do that. So once I had the name hypothalamic amenorrhea, I Googled it. And very fortunately, Dr. Rinaldi's resources came up almost right at the top. And so I found her book, I ordered it, and I basically poured into it. And then I found the support group online, connected with that, and really within a matter of days, because it was, I mean, I Amazon primed it, right? What does that mean? You have like 24 hours and then the book yeah. is in your hands. Yeah. And I just said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this. And I had felt kind of this stirring. I wonder if you felt this way too, Emma, almost like it was that little voice in the back of your head the whole time just saying, could this be you and your lifestyle? It's almost like I didn't want to accept that it was there. But once I actually listened to it, I realized the voice was like shouting at me. Well, I think after you read it over and over and over, and then once your doctor finally says like, oh, by the way, this is what you have. And then you start reading through the characteristic and the symptoms and you're like, well, yep. that describes me to a T. So totally. You know, and you that can was- only hide from that from, for so long. Yep. And that was very much my experience. So I just decided, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. And so I said, I'll really cut back. I was taking quite a few bar classes a week. And I mean, by quite a few, I mean, easily six to eight a week. And I cut back to just two. And I only, I taught classes, but I only took two, no cardio whatsoever, no riding the bike. Like I would do an hour a day just for quote unquote fun. Um, only thing was a very slow walk outside or just some simple yoga inside. And I did that and I increased my calories. So the the no period now what book recommends 2,500 a day. I didn't really count. I, I'd never really been too specific with counting. However, I was aware that I needed at least, I would say anywhere between 500 to 1,000 more every day, probably more closer to 1,000 every day. And so I just did. I consciously upped that. It was around Christmas time. So there were a few cookies, but honestly, it was majorly healthy food that I just upped the amount. And I made the decision that I wouldn't go back to adjunct teaching French. I was teaching French at the University of Rhode Island. Um, I had done that three semesters, thoroughly enjoyed it. But I said, you know what, I need a semester off and spoke at length with my husband and he was supportive. He said, you know, you take the semester, let's decrease the stress. You're putting in the work for the other lifestyle factors and we can reevaluate in the summer. And I did sincerely appreciate his support. It was a, a lifestyle change for us as well financially. And I appreciated that, that support from him. And I got my period back 33 days later. Wow. That's amazing. So it was, it was pretty wild. I remember some of the fun part of increasing your calories. I was I was a chronic calorie counter. Um, that's truthfully always been a battle and continues to be a battle. Um, but I remember what it was like to actually eat like two tablespoons of peanut butter or like half an avocado or like stuff totally. that I had definitely been restricting with stuff of like, especially those like healthy fats. But I just remember being like, I'm going to eat all the peanut butter I want. It was amazing. <laughs> yes. It's like you finally are giving yourself almost permission. And yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely definitely an incredible process. I mean, at the end of the day, it took it certainly some, some weight gain that goes without saying. And, and my how periods did you were, deal with that emotionally? Because beyond just yeah, the, you question. know, it's easy to say like, well, I just gained eat 2,500 calories and I gained a few pounds and voila. But I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more emotionally to that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really good. It's, it's definitely, I think, important to share that the emotional side of it was, was very challenging. Honestly, I remember it was like maybe three weeks into it. I, I, no, no, maybe I had gotten my period. So four weeks into it, or five, or I should say 33 days. Let's, let's count the weeks here. And I was feeling 
so tremendously excited to have my period, but also so like, wow, I mean, jeans weren't fitting anymore. Clothes looked very different. I mean, it was, you know, we're talking probably in the range of about 10 or so pounds, nothing crazy, but enough that, you know, you really feel a difference. And I remember just crying to my husband and him reminding me, you know, this is a big decision you made. I'm proud of you. You've got to stay the course, let your body, trust your body, let it do what it's going to do. And Honestly, it was great advice from him because I did proceed to gain a, a, you know, certainly even just a little bit more and then kind of leveled out. And then from there, it was a pretty stable weight and, until I conceived. And so I was actually amazed. Yes, my body weight was higher than it was, but it wasn't like I just kept gaining and gaining and gaining. I mean, once I hit kind of that set point, my body was like, all right, I'm going to chill at this weight, whether you ride the bike or not, you know? Yeah. So um, some things that I did was I did buy new clothes. So I didn't go crazy. I mean, like I said, I had just quit my job. So I were, we're talking Target. I went to Nordstrom Rack. I did. I love anthropology sales. Um, but I looked for just a few pieces that would just make me feel a little bit better. So maybe a flouncier top. I did that. I did a couple of like just kind of some from Gap, just kind of some like looser, cute pants, but they still cinched in at the waist. So I felt, uh, you know, feminine in them. So that was helpful for me. And I tried to... I should say also find joy in a few other things that I hadn't been putting as much focus on previously. So I started trying to read a little bit more. I started finding that I really do enjoy doing yoga at home. And I would say above all, I just felt a lot of emotions and shared them and talked about it. And I jumped up to the online groups. I was very open with my husband. Poor thing probably heard a lot more than he bargained for. Oh my gosh. Um, Did your husband have, well, he's a doctor, so I guess there's more, but I'm like, Oh my gosh, my poor husband had no idea he would be such a um educated person on periods. No well, idea. Well, no, but I mean even mine. Yes, he's a doctor, but like I mean what do you in medical school they just probably do a chapter on women's health oh, and yeah. then he because yeah. he's not he's not an OB, you know. So honestly like this was eye-opening for him too and he's told me that it's actually affected his like sometimes how he approaches a patient. So he says yeah. he's now a lot more aware of the fact that you know if he sees someone, you know, he he might maybe press within appropriate reason and boundary, but press a little bit deeper into lifestyle habits or eating habits or exercise and, and not hesitate to to make some maybe g- gentle suggestions if appropriate. So I, I think that it's it's been eye-opening for him, to be honest. So I just even remember the first time, I mean, this is totally TMI, but whatever, when me and my husband were dating and he kind of realized like, I don't think she has periods. This is kind of a thing. And I just remember the first time he kind of brought that up. He was like, so um, you don't have a, mm, uh, and I was like, oh, if you only know the road to go, buddy. He ended up sitting in on, I don't know how many ultrasound appointments. And uh, I mean, granted, once you have a baby together, all that goes out the window. But still, it was definitely a, an educational path to get there. Yeah, for sure. And what what about you? What about your your process with thinking, okay, I want to get started down recovery and, and all that? So I definitely, um, I can't say I did not struggle a ton with the process. Um, once I got diagnosed, I think I still wanted to look for some external factors. I was, I think I started by like increasing how much I was eating um, and I was still tracking. So I wanted to do it in a very calculated way because I was still struggling to let go of control. Um, and I'm a personal trainer. And so letting go of the exercise piece was also very challenging. I would say one of the best things that actually ever happened to me, which is weird to say, was I blew my back out lifting and I was forced to stop exercising for months. Um, I walked and that was it. Even doing yoga. I remember I tried over and over to go to yoga and ended up in tears and had to leave the room because it was in so much pain. So, I mean, it's terrible to say that was a good thing, but the timing on it was good. 
Um, but it was definitely a frustrating path. The quote unquote being all in, ditching all exercise, uh, eating 2,500 calories. I, I can't say I committed quite as readily as you did. Um, I read the book, I think, over and over and over because I just needed validation that I was doing the right thing. But I definitely got stuck in the comparison game a lot. I struggled because, you know, I would have even clients that would come in and they were getting pregnant right and left and they were thinner than me. Mm-hmm. And I really, really battled why? Why is it okay that she can go work out as much as she wants? And, you know, she talks about, oh, I just had a coffee all day. Sorry, not making fun of people who do that. But, you know, there's just you do you get trapped in that. And I really, really um, was reluctant to go all in for that reason. I just had a hard time letting go of that. Um, But so I did a little bit more incrementally. And I did over time, gain weight, stop exercising completely. And unfortunately, it was not happening fast enough. We kept getting blood work and things were improving some but not a lot. And I will say I probably got impatient and I could have waited a little bit longer, but it is what it is. Um, I will say, so I tried some of the oral medications to get pregnant at the beginning before I made any commitment to go all in and I did not respond at all. Um, and, and that was an indicator that I had to make some changes before I would even respond to medication. And so by the end, after gaining about 10 pounds, and I will say I'm I'm 5'2", I'm small. So for me, 10, 12 pounds was significant. I was not fitting in any of my clothes. And it was mentally hard for me um, working with people every day who are coming in and talking about just talking about bodies all day long. It's just a very critical environment to hear about. You know, women are coming to me, pulling here, poking here. I want to lose weight. And it made me feel very self-conscious of, well, they see their trainer gaining weight, gaining weight. What are they thinking about? You know, am I going to have a job? Or are they going to think, why is she training me? She doesn't know what she's doing. So that was just my mental battle. Um, But, you know, we decided to go ahead and go the medication route after trying. And fortunately, I did respond better to the medication after going, you know, as all in as I went. So that was definitely a positive, And we were fortunate enough to get pregnant um, using some some fertility assistance. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's it's obviously the 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 journey to get there is 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 very challenging and it can be filled with so many different ups and downs. But once you, you know, achieve the pregnancy and you're there, it's, I mean, there's, there's joy in it, no matter how you got there. You know, we, I, I don't know if you've ever seen these Amazon as people post them on social media, but it'll be like a birth announcement and around the birth announcement are maybe the syringes that were used mm-hmm. that the mom I used. I love those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In order to, you know, basically saying like brought, made by love and a little science or, or what have you. And I mean, truthfully, uh, the, the way that Emerson was conceived was an oral medication and also a trigger shot. So I, yep. I, I think that, you know, and, and this is actually something that, that Dr. Rinaldi addressed as well last week too, just sharing that you know, there is nothing wrong with, with attempting fertility assistance. I mean, it's mm-hmm. there for a reason, but it's also, I think, it, an opportunity to, to kind of check in with, with how you're doing and, and, and what's going on with you and, and how, well, how and are I you treating Well, I don't think I would have responded at all had I not made some of those lifestyle changes. Oh, so, 100%. You know, it still, I think, made a big impact. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful we got there one way or the other. And so, and I don't have shame necessarily in, in going the route we did, Um I give kudos. There's a lot of women in our group that gain, end up having to gain 25 or 30 pounds to get pregnant. And so, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it can be a big emotional commitment for sure. Yeah. And everybody I think is going to have a, I guess a different like 
recovery experience or a different experience in general, I absolutely understand the the comparison game. I'm, you know, teaching at Pure Bar, seeing women come in the door as well. Again, always talking about their bodies and there's such, oh, you look great. You look this, you look that. And, you know, it's so important, you know, it feels like sometimes in fitness communities for women to see, you know, weight loss and see changes. And I think going through this experience has really helped me reshape just a little bit the dialogue I use in classes, the dialogue I use with clients, just saying, hey, you know, it's about being strong. Like you're looking strong. How are you feeling? You know, oh, you're sleeping better at night. Like th- those kinds of things I, I try to focus on. Oh, but, absolutely. But it's I made absolutely me such a better that. trainer. Yeah. yeah. But I share the, those, those feelings of comparison. It's, it's challenging. Mm. I remember thinking, how is, you know, this person able to just keep running and just manages to fall pregnant? Or how, how is this person like her and her husband went out and had margaritas and now she's pregnant and they weren't even trying, or this person was on birth control and got pregnant. I'm like, I remember oh, just yeah. sitting there like just dumbfounded, like why me? And, and it's just a reminder that there's a pretty big piece of this puzzle too. That's also genetic. Absolutely. And, you know? my, my mother actually had a very similar history. So there are components that I wonder, could it be some of the birth control that I was on for such mm-hmm. a long period of time? Could it be genetic? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it could be a combination of all of it. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of factors. Everybody is unique. And I think that's one of the biggest things to take away is, you know, don't compare yourself to each other. And also be really mindful of, you know, the questions you ask. It was hard for me going through it and constantly getting asked, like, so are you guys, do you want to have kids? You just not want to have kids? And, you know, mm-hmm. so just being aware of you don't know what somebody's going through. I think. And then being also aware too about, about, you know, how you respond. I remember one time a woman asked me, do you guys want to have kids? And by this point we were in the throes of really trying and the process. And I remember saying, you know, yes, we, we really do, but it's, it's really taking us a lot longer than we planned on. And it's, it's quite frankly been, been a little challenging. And this particular woman looked at me and said, oh, well, my husband could walk in the room and I got pregnant. It happened four times. And, and you're thinking, like, that's not helpful, but thanks. Like, this is not helpful. This, this is as bad as the one person that when I was literally nine months pregnant, saw me in the studio and was like, oh, wow, you're still pregnant. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what? I looked at her and I go, yes. Like, <laughs> like I don't know what else to say. Well, like, I had so- a poor male client that got like me breaking down in tears on him. And I'll, oh. I'll always feel bad about that one because he asked me and it was right after we had had, we had a miscarriage and it was right after that. And he was like, he said something as like, are you afraid or you don't want to get pregnant because you're afraid you'll get fat? And I just lost it. And I'm like, who says that to somebody? But um, yeah, a- after I had an emotional breakdown on him, I, I don't think he'll ask that to a woman again. So, oh, Yeah, Sorry. gosh, it's so it's so hard. It really is hard. I think we, to some extent, we all do a little bit of that. You know, you're, you're out with a friend and they have one kid and you can't help but say, hey, are you guys considering a second, for example? I mean, there's a lot of these are just talking points, but I think that going through this has made me have a bit more of a heightened awareness and also a more of an awareness of the fact that, you know, we idolize in our society, a body that truthfully might be the natural body for what, 20% of the population, 10, 15, like it's not a body that is natural for truly the majority. And even within that, even within that, you know, maybe there's, you know, some people, oh, she can eat anything and she keeps her figure. Well, that's her metabolism. That's her genetics. That's her lifestyle. And also you don't really know. Maybe she's actually, because people said that about me. And the truth is as well, uh, that's actually because I'm exercising a lot and being really mindful. You might see me eat the cookie now, but you're not going to see what I don't eat tomorrow. You know? Absolutely. You never know. So do you feel like um, HA had a big impact on your pregnancy? 
I would say it did in so much as I was able to feel very confident nourishing my body and eating without restriction, eating intuitively during it. So I think I mentioned this um, as well in an, one of our earlier podcasts, but I, I gained about, I don't, I don't, I never let them weigh me, like I said, but I, or no, they did weigh me. I just didn't want another number. I think it was anywhere between 10 and 15 pounds the first trimester. So, I mean, I put on the weight on the front end, but I had already done it, right? So I was kind of like, all right, the more the merrier. I mean, I was being still healthy. I was active. I was eating well, but I just felt, even though it was not comfortable, getting dressed was not a treat, but I just went along with it and trusted my body. And I, I really think it, it worked out well. I gained a healthy amount of weight overall and I did stay active. I did eat. The The one thing that maybe worked in my favor is the fact that I truly didn't crave sweets at all. So like if I craved anything, it was meat or cheese or, you know, it was it was hearty food. So I guess that it, I never had that feeling of, oh, I just want, you know, a bunch of cake or ice cream. I, I never had that. So, yeah. but I think it, I think it had a positive impact. Yeah, I feel the same. I um, I think going through dealing with so much of the body image issues pre-pregnancy, um, once I got pregnant, I was just so grateful to be pregnant. And I would kind of do anything that would, you know, to me, encourage a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby. So there was definitely not going to be any kind of, you know, restriction or over-exercising. And I did still exercise a good bit, but I was just felt more in touch with my body than I ever had before of mm-hmm. being okay with saying, yeah, I today I just need a rest day. You know, I'm just a little tired. I didn't sleep well. Just respecting my body in a different way um, and, and not having so much judgment on it. You know, if I felt hungry. It was, it wasn't like, well, but I already ate two hours ago. It was just like, okay, I'm hungry. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have an extra snack. And so there was just only a lot of peace that came with, um, going through the process beforehand. Um, and, and that has also helped in the post baby period. Exactly. Yes. I think that that's, that's definitely something I know that we've connected on a lot over the past several months. And that's just the fact that, you know, in a way it's, we're almost in this, postpartum, I would say like protection bubble, right? Because we're both still breastfeeding. So it's almost like we don't have to think about the fact really that our periods aren't here. We might be curious when are they coming back, but we know, well, right now we're breastfeeding, so we can't expect them. But I think that I'll speak for myself, but I, I know we've shared a little bit about this, but I feel a little bit of that underlying, okay, is my period really going to come back? Am I really setting myself up for success for it to come back? So I think that I'm, I try to maintain mindfulness about that. I try to say, I want to stay about the same body, excuse me, body size I was when I conceived. I want to, you know, try to maintain the really healthy habits of listening to my body, just like you just said, honoring my hunger, honoring my desire for a rest. And I think that's the, that's the goal. I would say at times it's a bit of a struggle because sometimes that movement is, oh, it's just such a break. You know, it's like, oh, I need that. I really well, want to it get is. that. Well, it is. We've both discussed it's a little bit of a stress relief. And during this, you know, intense time of parenting, it's quote unquote our me time. And it mm-hmm. is really nice and helpful, but it is hard to draw that boundary between how much is, is too much. And also having an HA history, I think we found um, through Dr. Rinaldi's work that we are a little bit more prone genetically yes. or whatever to, you know, that having an impact on our cycle. And so it is something we just have to respect and be a little bit more mindful of. Yeah, I think that's very well said, because we have to acknowledge that it's going to be easy to have those those thoughts come back. And 
I mean, what woman after having a baby doesn't think to herself, okay, am I going to quote, get my body back? And so that's been, absolutely, that's been a big reframing for me. It's everywhere. I don't know how many times I've been asked that. And again, some of it's my job. I think people just openly True. have those conversations. True. Same here. Yeah. But I mean, I remember the first time walking back into the gym, it was like, oh, so what's your plan? You look great, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it is that constant commenting on my body. And it made me very self-conscious. And, you know, I'll be open in that it is still a mental battle. And I think the biggest difference with going through HA for me has been – it is a mental battle. I still definitely struggle with that urge to, you know, get back to my fittest and, you know, pre-baby body and all those things. I just don't act on it in the same mm. way that I used mm. to. So it used to be like, you know, as I said in my hi, um, we went on a date night on Saturday and we had appetizers and we had a big entree and I had wine and we went for dessert afterwards. In fact, I even was still hungry when I came home and had some more dessert. So I had barking up my tree, girl. (laughs) Double dessert um, because still breastfeeding a hangry boy. And um, even without that, I was hungry. I came home and ate. And I would have, even the next morning I woke up and I still had that automatic instinct of, wow, I kind of overdid it last night. The difference is there was no restriction. I still dishonored my body. I didn't go do extra cardio because of it. You know, it was just, it was a feeling and I acknowledged it and I was like, okay, it is what it is. Now back to my regularly scheduled eating all the things, you know? So it's <laughs> just, it's just it. a different, it yeah. did have a lasting impact regardless of the fact that I haven't got my period back. You know, I feel more confident in the place I am mentally. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I remember breastfeeding at the beginning, you know, having snacks always constantly by the, by, you know, right by the, the nursing chair. And I cannot tell you how many Lara bars I ate from the hours of like 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. I just like oh my all the food. I would wake I up so hungry and thirsty. Nuts, dry. I did so much dried fruit and nuts and like oh, bars, man. like, oh, yep. it was like round the clock. Yep. And I think that you know, that, that's an example of how, you know, you're, you're postpartum, you're hungry, but then if you're still breastfeeding and even if you're not, and this is actually something that I thought was interesting when we just were discussing with Dr. Rinaldi, there is a lot of energy expended, whether or not you're breastfeeding, just simply caring for another like live human being in addition to your household. You're not sleeping as well. Your body's just trying to keep up. You're chasing this little being around. You're also just like at this heightened emotional state, which is all extra mental and physical energy that we don't often acknowledge as an added stress. And I think, you know, it's okay that our hunger ebbs and flows. It's okay that there are days that we are, for whatever reason, hungrier than others. And it doesn't mean we have to panic about that because, you know, for whatever reason that we're ingrained that that's a bad thing, that our hunger ebbs and flows. So it, it definitely really letting go of some of that allows you to be a little bit more intuitive and in touch with your needs and not judge your body or your, you know, hunger as much. I agree. And I think that another thing that's been that's been helpful is truly just being able to have that open communication. It's been fun having that with each other because it also is a chance for me to kind of check in and say, hey, you know, like, I'm feeling a little off in this way, or, you know, I kind of, I'm we've done lots of that. Yeah. We message you all the time of, God, I'm just having a bad body image day. You know, it's, it's really helpful to be able to share that with somebody else. It is. And I think it's also been helpful to share that openly with my husband. I'm sure we'll have a, a podcast episode, which we should definitely have on like, I guess, postpartum, like intimacy and, and basically how to kind of, you know, what does that look like, et cetera. And I'm I think sorry, one of the, what? 
<laughs> my husband hasn't heard much about hasn't had much <laughs> i kid kind of anyway we'll we'll talk more about we'll that talk, later. We'll talk more about he'll, he'll love that episode Mine good thing too. he's definitely not gonna listen to this so i'm oh okay with gosh. that so funny no but really like it's like that is a whole i oh, mean yeah. that is a whole chapter in and of itself i mean your body just really doesn't exactly feel the same or look the same so i would say being able to be open with him has been helpful for me and then also just being able to connect kind of online and, and realize that you know other women are experiencing this too and there's this postpartum period needs to be a lot more about truly nurturing ourselves and nourishing ourselves and i found that you know, once the, our little guys are starting to eat now, it's really truly is a joy. It can be fun to now, you know, you're sharing your food, you're making what you're eating and you're sharing it with them. And I think that that's helped me to say, you know what, I want Emerson to see a mom who's going to enjoy dessert, you know, when, when, when it's time for dessert or when it's not time for dessert. I want, I don't want him to hear me say the word, oh, I ate too much. I want him to just see me eat and I want him to eat and I want it to just be part of our, our family culture in a positive way. And so I think that keeps me in check too. Cause absolutely. I think you know, model, we are, you know, the biggest role models for our kids and they're going to see that. And it's also amazing what little sponges they are. It's not just so the, the exact words we say, it's the actions they take. You know, it, if mom is constantly eating a different dinner than everybody else, because she's trying to eat healthy or she's back on a diet, even if she's not saying those words out loud, kids pick up on that. And so I just, yeah, I'd, I want to set a better example for my son, you know. Yeah, it's just an important thing. So, yeah, absolutely. So, so I would yeah. say that overall for both of us, just going through the process of wanting to get our periods back, going through the pregnancy, just being more aware of what it truly means to nourish our bodies and take care of them and just be, just be mindful. I think it's, it's always perhaps going to be a work in progress for somebody who's struggled in the past with res food restriction and overexercise. But I think that that's why, you know, you do have those check-ins. You have those moments when you say, hey, it's rainy out. We can't get out of the house today. Oh, well. And you let yourself sit in that little discomfort you might feel about, oh, I want to get movement in and say, hey, it's going to be okay. And the day passes. And just like you said about going out and enjoying a date night with hubby, like the next day you're like, wow, I ate a lot last night. Okay. And you move on, you know? Yep. I just think of all the wasted times that, you know, was spent worrying about every little bite I ate and trying to step in as much exercise as I can. And it's just really a little self-limiting. So I think that's just the overall message we want to we want to share with talking about our stories is just you can move past that if that is, you know, somewhere anybody else can connect with or is stuck um, in that that gerbil wheel. Um, it's it there is life on the other side and it's actually a lot happier. So. Exactly. And there's a lot of resources out there and a lot of things that people can be can be mindful of and, and get started with too, which is always great. Yep. So well, um, just a few resources we want to uh, touch on is obviously the book we interviewed Dr. Rinaldi on last week, No Period. Now what? There are some awesome, if, if you are struggling with the lack of uh, period, that is worth checking out. Order the book, jump onto the support groups on Facebook. They are absolutely invaluable. Um, also, if you, you know, we've shared a little bit of our story and going through, you know, frankly, some eating disorder behaviors. So definitely, if that is you, the National Eating Disorder Association is the place to start. And we are also just going to give some honest shout out to Hello Therapy, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's been it's definitely been something that I have been in and out of both in the conception period and prior to that, a little bit with pregnancy and even now postpartum. And it's been tremendously helpful to 
just be able to voice everything from body image, you know, to motherhood and, and everything, but just to be able to bounce a lot of these, um, these issues off with uh, a third party who's a trained professional. So, oh yeah, I, yeah. as much as I enjoy talking, I'm I'm not a trained professional. So. <laughs> but you're you're very helpful though. I mean, really I are. went to school for psychology. To be fair, that is what my degree is in. But hey, I would not hey. would not qualify myself as a trained professional. So, <laughs> and I mean, I can say I did the same. I um while we while I was going through HA recovery, and especially when I had the miscarriage and was still struggling uh, struggling to conceive, I went to therapy, and it was super helpful. Really, really important. Yeah, but definitely something to check into too, as far as insurance. I know up here in in Rhode Island, we're very fortunate because most insurance companies truly offer some some pretty broad coverage. I, I know that in some states, back in Arizona, it was very challenging. It's a lot of out of pocket, but yeah, I always just mention, yeah, I always just mention at least kind of check check in a bit with your um, insurance companies. Then another thing that is sometimes is if you can find some type of a a college setting, like there are some students that just need hours, and sometimes that can be. A little bit, uh, a little bit more affordable. So, just something to consider. I'm not sure exactly if that works in every case, but those are just a, a few suggestions from the um, the community, kind of that that I've heard in, in that regard. So, awesome. Well, we really appreciate y'all joining us today. We hope that um, us being a little vulnerable and sharing our stories, you can either relate to or um, you know hear a little bit of yourself in, and you know can just help you navigate your own situation. Uh, we would also just love to get any feedback. So if some of the areas we touched on today, whether it's body image, postpartum, food, exercise, all that kind of stuff, if anything um, is a topic you really would like to hear us delve more into, we would love some feedback on that. You can find us on Instagram at ABC's Matrescence. That's probably the best place. We also have our lovely website up and running at www.abcsofmatrescence.com. I don't even know why I say www. Is that even necessary? Anymore? I think I, I, I still say it. I always like thing? to say World okay. Wide Web. I mean, it just yeah. like orients all of us. Yeah, I feel like that's totally unnecessary, but I said it anyway, so not well, going to edit like, it. So. I, used to say, I used to say URL. <laughs> so just that could be you right now I used that's to say fantastic well yep. we're nailing it <laughs> um obviously we are right now on apple podcast and on spotify I, I guess eventually we could get on more there's a bunch out there so if you are listening on something else well then you wouldn't have found this but i, I guess if you people listen on other things Podbean, i don't know there's other things out there in the world but back to what i was saying rate and review us that's what i was actually going for um it really does help the podcast you know it helps people find us people listen to us so that's really helpful if you have just a second to throw up some stars or review and next week's just going to be a little bit of a light-hearted episode we've been talking about ha for a couple episodes we're going to mix it up we're just going to chit chat some of our favorite products and things we found that were helpful for our first year as new mamas so it'll just be fun lighthearted, and yeah we really appreciate you guys joining so thank you so much and we will see you next week yep thanks everyone for joining us and we can't wait to connect with you see you soon bye